And I believe something happened as we were pr- worshiping up here tonight. I believe something happened in this, something happened during practice. We were just going after it. And I believe that that something happened in the spiritual realm. And we're going to talk about, you know, praise and worship is not just the preliminaries to the announcements. It's not just the mood setter for us to, you know, get in the mood of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a preliminary to the word. Okay. It is a vital part of the service. And I know that men, the church, a lot of churches have made it just a ritual. Well, we'll come in and sing a few songs so it'll give people the time to get in here and get settled in. And, you know, I know some people in this body feel that way because I see the people who come in right at the end of praise and worship week after week just in time to hear Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric is awesome. The Word is awesome. But you need to be here for praise and worship, not because I'm up here or we think we're so awesome, but I'm telling you, stuff happens during praise and worship. And we have got to come to a revelation that praise and worship has been given to us by the Father God as a weapon of warfare. If we would get a revelation, a true revelation of what happens every time we lift our hands, we clap our hands, we lift our voices, I'm telling you, we would never worship the same in this house. And we would walk in victory like we never have before. Because praise and worship is a form, a weapon of warfare. And I'm telling you, it silences the enemy. Amen? I believe, okay, praise and worship is a weapon of warfare. Just like prayer is a weapon and just like the word of God is a weapon. Okay, they all three go hand in hand. And so many times, I mean, we use the word and we can pray, but we don't use praise and worship. And so we're not fighting the enemy with full force because we're leaving out praise and worship. You know, Pastor Eric has been teaching. He did a series just a few weeks ago about renewing your mind according to the word of God and how to use the word as a weapon. And then just a couple of Sundays ago, Pastor Virginia preached on prayer and how to get your prayers answered and how to war with prayer. And so God told me he's going to finish it off with how to war with worship. And I believe it. I mean, Monday night, you guys, we got a revelation of prayer. Amen. I don't know how many of you made it all night. I didn't make it all night. I made it till two, but I was proud of myself. <laughs> and I, I, did, I came expecting to stay till midnight and I was there longer. So, but I'm proud of you guys who stayed all night. And I know we accomplished much in the spiritual realm. Amen. But we've got to learn to praise and worship. There is purpose and significance in everything that we do in praise and worship. Clapping our hands, lifting your hands, raising your voice in song and shout, dancing, even raising, waving the flags and the banners and the instruments. It's all significant and done for a purpose. You know, I've heard people say, well, there's no need in all that. There is no need. That's just show. Well... It's all biblical. It's all in the word of God. And I'm telling you, it's significant. God will never tell you to do something that does not have purpose or significance. He doesn't tell you to dance so he can sit up there with Jesus and say, well, look at her moves. Boy, we didn't give her enough rhythm now, did we? Because that's what he'd say about me. I mean, I, I, I cannot dance. My sister got all the dancing. Okay, and I got all the athletic ability. That's just the way it is. That's why I just jump, because that's all I know how to do is jump. That's my dancing before the Lord. But it still has a purpose, amen? What is accomplished in praise and worship is something that is accomplished in the Spirit. 
And I believe that after tonight, you will walk away with a great revelation, and you will be able to put your faith behind your worship. You will be able to put your faith behind your clapping and your singing, and you will know that as you do that, things are happening, and your circumstances will change. Amen? Okay, go to Second Chronicles 20. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I know all of you have heard this story before, but... We're going to go over it again. Okay, I'm going to start at verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazan, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sore judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Israel of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes upon you. How many of you have been in a place and you just said, God, I don't know what to do. You don't know what to pray. You don't know where to turn. You're just in a stuck in the situation. And you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. This is where Jehoshaphat and his army was. He knew that his army was outnumbered five to one. He did not know what to do. But you know what? That didn't matter. He knew where to turn. Amen. Don't you know that God doesn't expect us to always know what to do? Amen. He doesn't expect us to have all the answers. He just expects us to look at him for the answers. I'm glad I don't have to know it all. Amen. And I probably acted like my husband's not here, and I won't ever admit that I said this, but <laughs> I don't know it all. Although sometimes I try to make you think that I do know it all. Amen. We all do that, but we don't have to know it all. We just need to know where to go to get the answers. Amen. Verse 13 says, Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and all these other people, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. The battle is not ours, but God's. Amen. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. 
You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord is with you. The battle is not ours. We do not have to fight in this battle. And you know what? So many Christians walk around defeated and wounded because they are fighting battles God never intended them to fight. We have to stop fighting our own battles. The battle is not ours, but God's. Big battles, even the little battles. I mean, we can, you can get hurt from little battles just like the big battles. Amen? God wants us to leave them all up to him. We have a part to play, but God will always give us instructions and tell us how a strategic plan to go to the battle with. Amen? If you can't just run into the battle without a plan or you're going to get defeated. Amen? God will give you the strategic battle plan, and we have to be obedient to carry it out. Verse 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the, and, the inhabit- and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Kor- Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So listen to this. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The Lord set ambushes against the enemy. Amen? Okay, I want you to think about this. Here's Jehoshaphat, and he got this word from Jehaziel that said, Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. Position yourself. You will not need to fight in this battle. So Jehoshaphat says, Okay, here's what we're going to do. And he gets the strategic battle plan. And he says, I want all the army. I want all you, my best warriors. I want you here on this side. I want those of you who can fight, who, who are the tough. I mean, he called the toughest, most vicious warriors together. And then he said, okay, how many of you can sing? And we're like, okay. So all the singers on this side. And I know what the singers were thinking. Okay, we're here, and we're going to sing and praise when, they, when those warriors go down there and they defeat the enemy. We are going to just let out a shout of praise and sing a song like we've never sung before. And then Jehoshaphat says, okay, singers, you're out front today. And they're like, hmm. Well, actually, I think I have a case of laryngitis today. Uh, You know, I think I'll set this one out. Can you imagine what they were thinking? That they're going to face an army that outnumbers them five to one. And the only weapon they're carrying is the weapon of their voice. But they trusted their leader. They trusted the voice of the Lord. Just like the word says, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And I want you to think about how they sounded that morning when they were singing. I guarantee you they didn't come in 
go into that battle like we do sometimes on a Sunday morning, half asleep, just groggy. We're mad at our spouse because we had a little, you know, fight before we came to service. We're irritated at the pastor because he didn't shake our hand when we walked in the door. And so we're just, hallelujah, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns, you know. I guarantee you that's not what they were like. They were singing, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures, endures forever. Amen? They were singing with their whole heart, saying, oh, God, spare our lives. We praise you. And they went down there. And can you imagine the jubilation when they went over the hill and they saw the entire army dead that God had set ambushes and delivered from them? I mean, that deserves a shout. Amen? God has called us to be a worshiper in every circumstance of our lives. I want you to know that God cannot resist your worship. He cannot resist your sound. When you begin to worship him wholeheartedly, he immediately goes to work fighting your battles for you. Man, that's awesome that all you have to do is raise your voice and say, God, I worship you. I love you. I honor you. You are holy. You are mighty. And he immediately goes to work on your behalf. It's so easy. It's so easy to praise God. I mean, it just—it should just come out of your innermost being. You know, if we can learn to worship God in every circumstance of our lives, even in the most dark, difficult time, the presence of God will always be with you. Because when you begin to praise him, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. His presence immediately comes to that place. And you know what? Depression and despair and discouragement, they can't stay in the presence of God. So if you're feeling that stuff on your life, man, you need to, you need to, if I know it may take everything that's within you to just cry out to him, but when he hears your praise, he immediately comes to you. He immediately comes to your cry. You know, we have to praise him when all hell is breaking loose around us. It's, you know, it's easy to praise God when, when things are good. You know, it's easy to stand up and give thanks to God when you just got a, a big fat bonus or, you know, a big raise. Or it's easy to stand up and say, I got my healing. You know, I went to the doctor and he says I'm completely healed. It's easy to believe God when you see, when you see the, the, the thing tangible in your hand. But what about when you can't see it? Are you praising God when you, you can't pay your bills? Are you praising God when your child's run away and you don't know where he or she is? Are you praising God when, when the doctor has given you a grim diagnosis? Are you praising the Lord then? And the Holy Spirit spoke this to, to me today. And he said, praise is not a response to the victory. The victory is the response to the praise. Amen. Write that down. Praise is not a response to the victory. The victory is the response to the praise. We got to praise until the victory comes and then just keep praising. Amen. It's easy to believe and praise God after what you're believing for, believing him for comes to pass. You know, there's no faith in that. We have to determine that I will not be willed by my circumstances. I will not be ruled by how I feel. That we will praise God in all circumstances with everything that is within us. We know we have to count on all joy when trials come. The, The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Praise is not a response to the victory. But victory is the response to the praise. You know, when Paul and Silas were chained up in the prison... The chains just didn't fall off of them, and then they started praising the Lord. You know, some of you may think, well, that praise and worship stuff, that, that, that worked for Jehoshaphat, but that was Old Testament. Well, there's a, there's a New Testament 
um, example, Paul and Silas were in chains in prison, and they begin to praise the Lord. They begin to sing praises to him. And what happened? The Lord immediately came to them, and he set them free. And not only did he set them free, but the prison guard was saved in the process. So God comes to rescue you because when you get rescued, other people get rescued because of your testimony. Amen? God will do the same thing for you as he did for the tribe of Judah. They were obedient to the voice of God, and the Lord destroyed the very ambushes that were set up to kill them. You know, it took that army three days, the word says, it took them three days to walk through and pick up the plunder from the battle. The very thing that the enemy had set up to destroy them, they were blessed by that thing. You know, and if we are obedient to the voice of God, then God will cause the very thing that was set up to destroy you to be a great blessing to you. Amen? You'll find yourself walking through just picking up blessing after blessing because you are obedient to the voice of God. Today, I just, uh, tonight, I just really want you guys to get a paradigm shift about praise and worship. You know, I mean, obviously, it's a passion that I have, and I really wrestled with God about preaching on this because I thought, well, they've all heard this before because I know it, they surely know it, but he wouldn't let, he wouldn't let me go from it. And I know that tonight that he wants to deliver victory into your hands if you will only stand up and give him praise and give him the worship that he deserves. Okay, let's talk about the tabernacle of David. Go to First Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles 16. In verse 1, it says, And they brought in the ark of God and placed it inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread and a portion of meat and a raisin cake. And he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord even to celebrate and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief and second to him Zechariah, and then all these other names were given musical instruments, harps, lyres. Also, Asaph played out loud-sounding cymbals. And Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, blew trumpets continually before the Ark of Covenant of God. And then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. This was the tabernacle of David, and it was basically a tent that David set up, and it had 24-7 praise and worship, continual praise and worship going on. So it's a place of praise and worship. You know, David was the first one to do this in all of history, and David was a true worshiper. And you know what God said about David? He said he called him a man after his own heart. Man, I want God to say that about me. I want God to say that about me, that I was a woman after his own heart. Amen. Don't you want, wouldn't you love for God to say that about you? You know, over the past few years, we have heard a lot, I've heard a lot of prophets say, and you've probably um, heard it too, about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. And basically that means that God is going to restore praise and worship to the church. And I believe this has already begun to happen. I remember just, I've been leading, I've been on the praise and worship team for, a long time, <laughs> but I'm trying to think. But I've been leading praise and worship for almost five years. And I remember when I first started, 
It's like I was having a hard time finding all this new music. And even within five years, I mean, there are just tons and tons of praise and worship leaders rising up all over. I mean, anointed men and women of God who are writing songs. I mean, from you can find them from every nation. And it is incredible to see what God is doing, that he is restoring praise and worship to the nations and to the world. Okay, go to Amos chapter 9, verse 11. Okay, eventually David's tent was taken down. Hundreds of years later, it was removed. But in Amos chapter 9, Amos talks about the restoration of the tabernacle. And I truly believe that we are in that time that Amos prophesied about. In verse 11, it says, In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. So Amos says that God is going to restore the, t- the tent of David. Okay? He doesn't mean, you probably understand this, but I just want to make this clear. He doesn't mean that in Jerusalem there's going to be a, a tent put up where we all have to travel over there and worship. That's not what he means. He means that God is going to restore praise and worship to his church. Okay? In John chapter 4, verse 20, I know I'm going fast, but. I want, want to get through all this. Jesus talked about that geographical location was not important. Remember, he, he told the woman at the well, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation. Salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such the people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is looking for worshipers. God is looking all over the earth for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if God is looking for something, don't you want to be what God is looking for? Amen. If God is looking for someone to pour out his blessings on, he's looking for someone to use. He's looking for someone to run to and help them. Don't you want to be what God is looking for? Amen. I want to be what God is looking for. And he is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, just because your flesh, I've heard people say this, well, if I don't feel like worshiping, then it's just fake and it's just a show. Well, let me tell you something. I'm here every Wednesday and every Sunday almost of the whole year. And I can, it would be a lie if I told you that every single service I came here, my flesh felt like worshiping God. I mean, there are times that I've had to drag myself into the, into the church and just, oh, here I go, I have to sing another song again. I mean, I would be lying. And you know what? Pastor Eric probably doesn't always feel like coming up here and preaching the word because we live in a fleshly body who wants to do its own thing. But I tell you what, I have to fake it till I make it. I put my flesh under my feet, and I say, flesh, you will not dictate to me how I will praise the Lord tonight. You know, because sometimes I feel like sitting there being silent. Amen? Sometimes I just feel like sitting there and just, you know, not, not praising. My flesh just doesn't feel like it. But I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that you're being fake or you're not worshiping in truth because your spirit is always willing to worship God. Your spirit is always willing. And so if you just put your flesh under your feet and say, flesh, you will not talk to me about how I will worship God. And you just take a step of faith. And I promise you, God will always meet that step. Amen. We need to be what God is looking for. 
You know, God loves to hear the sound of his saved children. The sound of the redeemed is special to God. And I heard this, and this was so awesome. And it just, you know, I always invite the angels to come and worship with us. And the angels sing beautifully, and they worship God continuously in heaven. But do you know that the angels cannot give him the sound of the redeemed? Because they haven't been saved. I mean, God, the creative beings in heavens cannot give him that unique sound of the redeemed. And you know what? We all have a different sound. We all have a unique sound to God's ear because what I was saved from and how I was saved is different from what you were saved from and how God saved you. What God pulls you out of, I, I may not have been there, but he pulled me out of other stuff. And so our sound is unique. And I'm telling you, he knows each and every sound. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, millions of believers crying out to him and worshiping him. And he knows, he, he, he knows each individual's unique sound. It's just like a mom you know, there can be a hundred children in this place. And if Chloe started screaming, I would immediately turn because I know Chloe's cry. You know, my boys were gone for a week at my mom and dad's in Texas. And my middle son called, and he left a message on the answering machine. And he didn't say, Mom, this is Cole. He didn't identify himself. He just said, Hey, Mom, I was just calling to see if you were feeding my turtle, you know. <laughs> But I knew immediately by the sound of his voice, that's Cole. That's my little boy. And that's how God is. When you start saying, oh, God, I love you, I worship you, he says, that's Kelly, and I'm coming to her cry. Amen? And he knows when you need him. He knows when you cry out to him, he comes immediately. He knows your voice, and he loves to hear your sound. He can't resist your worship. You know, and worship, worshiping is not just for those who can sing. You know, I want you to get, just get that idea out of your head. Well, God didn't give me a musical gift, so obviously I'm not called to worship. That's a lie from the enemy. You know, it doesn't matter if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. God loves to hear your sound. Amen. God loves to hear you sing to him. It's a joyful sound. And I don't want you to be hindered because you don't feel like you can sing good or you can't dance. Because God loves to have his children worship him. He cannot resist your worship. And what? What is God's purpose for restoring the tabernacle of David? Well, I want you to look back at Amos 9, verse 12. Let me find it. It says, That they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name. That they may possess. God wants you to possess what is yours. Do you think that God likes for, to see the enemy come in and take what is rightfully ours? Do you think it makes him happy when he sees his children just being walked all over by the enemy? God wants us to possess what is rightfully ours. And according to the word of God, we can possess through praise and worship. Possess comes from a Greek word that means to occupy by driving out the previous tenant. Okay, this is why God wants to restore praise and worship to his church and to the earth. So that we can drive out the enemy and occupy our land. Amen. God gave this land to us. But the enemy has come in and taken it from us. But through praise and worship, it says we can possess the land. We can drive out the enemy from America who has come in. A nation that was founded on godly principles. The enemy has come in and tried to steal all those morals and those values. But as a body of Christ, we can raise... We can rise up through praise and worship, through prayer and the word, and we can occupy the land. 
We can possess the land. We can drive out the enemy and occupy it. Amen? God has called us to occupy the earth. God gives us tools to accomplish whatever he has called us to accomplish. And praise and worship is a tool that he has given us to occupy and possess what is rightfully ours. Okay, everything we do in praise and worship is done for a purpose and is significant. Psalms 47.1, which I know you've all heard this. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Okay, I I shared this one week during praise and worship. And the word clap in the Hebrew is takah. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's T-A-Q-A. It means to blow, clap, strike, sound, thrust, give a blow or a blast. To thrust, to drive a weapon. Okay, this is the same word that is used in Joshua 6 for blow or blue. When the, the, this is the fall of Jericho, when the priests marched around the wall of Jericho and they blew their trumpets for six days, they marched around and all they, the people didn't say a word, they just blew the trumpets. That same word to call was used for clap and for blow. So I want you to think of the significance of clapping your hands during praise and worship. You are driving or thrusting a weapon into the enemy. Amen? You are, I mean, think about when they walked around the wall of Jericho and they they blew blew those trumpets. Every time they blew that horn, I could just see cracks coming in the walls, the foundation being shaken. You know, and then finally on the seventh day when the people raised their voices and shouted, the walls came tumbling down. As you clap your hands, you are causing walls and foundations to crack and crumble. I mean, I don't ever want you to forget this. I don't ever want you to come in here and just clap your hands and think, well, I'm just keeping the beat today, you know. Man, you're clapping your hands for a purpose. Put your faith behind it. Put your faith. Every time you clap your hands, you say, man, those walls are coming down. Those walls are coming down. My situation is changing. I am driving a weapon through the head of the enemy. I am changing my circumstance. I am changing the situation. Amen? Man, I don't know if you're fired up, but I am. (laughs) I want you to grab a hold of this. Okay? I mean, I see people standing in, in, and I don't want you to feel convicted, okay? I'm trying not to bring condemnation on you. God forgive me if I am. <laughs> you know, people standing in praise and worship with their hands in their pockets, and I'm just thinking, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Can I just be honest with you? I'm so transparent, sometimes too transparent. It's scary. You know, but I want you to get a hold of this, that clapping is significant. It's not something that we just do because everybody does it, you know. It's just, we just clap because it's, you know, Marvin's keeping the beat and we're just keeping the beat with Marvin. No, we are, we are changing our circumstances. We are causing uh, the walls that the enemy has put around us to fall. If we put our faith behind our worship, we will see mighty things begin to happen. Amen. I want you to get a revelation of this because it's so true and it's so good. I want to talk about the fall of Lucifer. You know, Lucifer, Satan was Lucifer in heaven. God created him. And in Ezekiel 28, it talks about how beautiful Lucifer was, that God had given him. I mean, basically, he was in one-man band. His whole body was covered in instruments, and he had jewels covering him everywhere. And 
He made beautiful music. He was anointed. He was the worship leader of heaven. What better job could there be in the whole universe than the worship leader of heaven? To lead worship in the most beautiful place in the universe to the creator of the universe. I mean, that is awesome. It talks about how beautiful he was. But in Isaiah 14, it talks about how when God threw Lucifer from heaven because of his pride, he began to exalt himself over God. How stupid can someone be? I mean, I just think, you know, it shows you how dangerous pride is. Amen? Pride is dangerous. You've got to stay away from it. Pride cometh before the fall. Okay, I want to read you this quote. It's from a book called Silencing the Enemy by Robert Gay. And this is just kind of a picture of what happened when God threw Lucifer out of heaven. God turned to the devil and said this, I gave you a glorious ministry, yet you became consumed with yourself rather than me. You disdained the ministry I gave you. And because of this, I revoke your heavenly anointing and heavenly position, and you will be cast down to the ground. As further punishment to you, I will take the ministry of praise and worship that you forsook and give it to a group of people on earth that should be known as the church. Hallelujah. Every time, every time they enter into this ministry of worship, the ministry that you forsook, they will silence and paralyze you. They will take up the ministry of praise and worship, and with it, they will bind you They will break you, they will bruise you, and they will ultimately destroy your kingdom. Isn't that awesome? That is powerful. The very thing, the very thing that Satan was created to do, God gave to us to defeat him. Man, that makes me want to shout and dance. Hallelujah. One of the quickest ways to overcome the devil is through praise and worship. He hates it because it is a constant reminder of what he lost and what he is about to get. Amen? The devil hates the sound of the redeemed. It defeats him every time. Psalms 8-2 says, From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. You know, I, it blesses me to see the kids praise the Lord up here. You know, they took off running tonight, and some people may be offended by that. Well, they're just having a little playground in the sanctuary. But I'm asking, if God told you to run, would you take off running around this place? Some of you would, and I'm glad, but some of us wouldn't, amen? Some of us would be like, ooh, I don't know what he would think, though. Um, That's too weird, you know? But the kids are so quick. You know, I don't, I mean, yes, sometimes they're probably just having fun, you know, I believe that God speaks to them and they hear. And they, are, they don't even hesitate to, to do what God's called them to do. And it says, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. To silence the foe and the avenger. Do you know what the word silence means in the Hebrew? It means to cause to fail, to repose, suffer, to be lacking, to put down, take away. So as we worship and praise our God, we are causing the enemy to fail. I mean, are you getting a picture of this? Are you getting how powerful it is to praise and worship, the, worship our God? It is a weapon to fight the enemy. It causes the enemy to fail. It causes failure to his assignments against you. It causes them to be, to be put down and to be taken away. 
when you praise him, the promise of the word is that when you praise him, his, his assignments against you will fail. You know, sometimes I think that we focus too much on the enemy. And I want you to listen to me. I don't want you to, to twist my words, okay? Yes, we are to bind and we are to loose and we are to cast out. But sometimes we get so caught up in binding and loosing. Oh, and I've done this myself. One time we came under heavy attack and I caught myself. I bind you, Satan. And I stopped myself and I'm binding out of fear that what he's doing to me. I wasn't binding and loosing out of faith. I was so scared of what the enemy was doing to us that I was, and I was so focused on how big the enemy looked right at that moment that I lost sight of how great and mighty our God is. And you know what? That's, so, that's what's so great about praise and worship is because the one and only, the sole focus of praise and worship is God. Amen? When, when you're praising and worshiping intensely, you can't think, you can't help but to think only about God. I mean, the, the worries about the enemy and his assignments are far away from you because you are focused on the great and mighty God, the creator of the universe. God has given us power and authority and dominion over the enemy. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we've got to stop focusing on the enemy and stop just, yes, the enemy has power, and yes, the enemy can come against people. But people, the enemy will not defeat you if you do not let him. Amen? We have to turn our focus back on the one who saved us and delivered us. You know, we should be a threat to the devil. He shouldn't be a threat to us. Amen? Okay, I want to read Psalms 149, and I'm almost done. And this is a great chapter about praise and worship, Psalms 149. It says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Hallelujah, there it is. Dancing in the church is okay. Amen? (laughs) And make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God, now listen to this this verse, verse 6. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Okay, may the praise of God be in your mouths and a double-edged sword. What's a double-edged sword? The Word of God. So see, right here in the Word, it shows how praise and the Word go hand in hand, how we need them both to defeat the enemy. Amen? What happens when we use both? We'll look at verse 7. It says, to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people. To bind their kings with chains, their nobles with shackles of iron. Okay, we're not talking about earthly kings. Because the Greek word here, or the Hebrew word that was used for kings here, means false idol or false god. So we're talking about demonic forces. So our praise and the word will bind the kings with chains and their nobles with shackles. And the best part of all is verse 9. To carry out the sentence written against them. 
Okay, God has pronounced sentence on Satan, and that is defeat. God has already said, I sentence you, Satan, to defeat. Amen? But he has given us, his children, the honor and the glory to bring that sentence to pass. That is awesome. Amen? That is so awesome. Combining, combined speaking the word with high praise, you are bringing Satan's sentence of defeat to pass. That is the honor that God has given us to carry out the sentence that God handed down to him. We get to carry it out through prayer and through the word and through praise and worship. Praise and worship team, go ahead and come up. Man, when Satan brings sickness, you say, no, Satan, I'm not receiving that sickness. Sickness is your sentence. Amen? Poverty, death, despair, depression, we don't have to take it. Satan, it's Satan's sentence, and we get to carry it out on him. You know, because Satan forsook his calling, an anointed leader of worship in heaven, it gets to be our honor to carry out the sentence against him with the very thing that he was created to do. You know how mad that makes the enemy? You know how mad it makes him to worship and praise our God? Do you want to make the devil mad? Amen. Do you want to bring defeat to him? Amen. I want to encourage you guys to choose today to be a worshiper, to choose to worship in every opportunity. You know, we should never come in this place and worship the same as we have before. We need to come in here and say, God, I'm giving you my all. And as we worship, we got to put faith behind our worship and say, God, you are great, you are holy, you are mighty. And know that as he heard your cry, as he hears the cry of the redeemed, that he is immediately going to work on your behalf. Just as he did Jehoshaphat in the army. He's, he's sending ambushes against the enemy on our behalf. Amen. Your circumstance is going to change. Your situation is going to change. Go ahead and play when you're ready. We've got to worship in every circumstance. You know, a couple years ago, Bryce ran for state representative. And we were expecting victory. We were, we had our faith out there. I mean, it was like Faith Walk City. I mean, we had laid it all on the line. And the election was on a Tuesday. Well, we lost. Complete blowed. I mean, I just knew God was going to rise up and save us. And, you know, it didn't happen the way I thought that it should happen. And the next night was a Wednesday night. And I didn't want to come to church. I mean, my heart was broken. I was just distraught. And I had no one to fill in for me. I had to be here. And I came that night out of one thing, and that was obligation to my responsibilities. But as I got up here... And I began to just focus on God. I remember Pastor, we just worshiped like we hadn't worshiped in a long time. And I just cried out to God in the midst of in the midst of defeat. Bring it down just a little bit. In the midst of, of hurt, man, I worshiped him. And I remember Pastor Shelley coming up to me after service. And she said, Tatum, see what worship does? And I left this place a completely different person. I left this place with hope and, 
And I'm telling you, when you will get to the point, when you can worship, and, and many of you have faced much worse things than losing an election. I mean, that was just, it was horrible at the time, but it was really trivial in the bigger picture. But I'm telling you, when you can get to the place where I'm going to worship, it looks like my child is just dying and going to hell. He's never going to come around. That's what it looks like. But God, I'm praising you. And I have the word that says, when I ask you, I shall receive. And I call him saved in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you. I praise you and I worship you because my son is coming into the kingdom. Amen. When you've got sickness and disease, you get the word of God and you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. No sickness can come not come near my dwelling. And then you begin to praise him. You begin to praise him. God, I thank you that you are the healer. Amen. You are the healer. You're touching my body and I praise you with every part of my being because you are my everything. And when you praise him, it silences the lies of the enemy. People, he will inhabit your praises. He will come in and consume your situation. How many of you have a situation you need God to come in and consume? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray, and if you need to leave and be dismissed, then feel free to. But, but I brought the praise and worship team up here because we're just going to worship him. And if you want to stay and worship with us and you want to put your faith behind your worship and you want to see your circumstances change, I believe that tonight... As you worship, things are happening in the spiritual realm. And and some of you are going to go tomorrow and you're going to see your natural circumstances change. And a week from now, another natural circumstance is going to change. Amen? Let's worship Him. Father, I thank you for the the tool you have given us. the, the, The weapon of warfare that you have given us. Praise and worship, Father. And all it is is to cry out to you and worship you with in spirit and in truth. So, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would deposit in each of us a new heart of worship, Father. That we would begin to see you, Father, for who you are. And that we we would silence the enemy with our praises, Father. We would silence the enemy as we praise and worship you, Father. That I thank you that circumstances are changing. That as we cry out to you, you hear our voice. And you come to our rescue, Father. You come and bring freedom, and you bring change to our circumstance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We worship you tonight. We worship you, Lord. There is none like you. There is none like you in all the earth. Come on, he loves to hear the sound of the redeemed.
tells you about how when you clap your hands, you're driving a weapon through the enemy. Okay, we're going to end on a great big shout. We're just going to clap our hands for a while. I don't want anyone to shout. I don't want anyone to talk. You're just going to clap your hands. And then when I say shout, I want you to raise your voice with a voice of triumph. And we're going to shout. And we're going to believe that those walls are coming down. Amen.
want to keep worshiping him